This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time LFC correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. He is busy, because none of us are busy, are we, James? Anyway, <laughs> uh, I do have with me the Dream Trio. It's Echo Reporter and... What's actually your job title, sorry? I don't know. Nobody knows what his job title is, but it's Christian Walsh. Hi, Christian. Hello, Ian. Also with me is Echo Sport veteran, as in he's been there for about veteran. two years now, mm-hmm. Paul Ghost. Hi, Paul. That's my name. And Life Veteran. And Liverpool fan, Dan Kay. How are you, Dan? Hi, Ian. How are you doing? All the better for seeing you, my friend. Did you enjoy that little intro? More than you could ever imagine. <laughs> When's his Lifetime Achievements Award? Well, he was supposed to be at the awards yesterday, weren't you? Was I? Yeah, you were supposed to be there, but you had to flip between the pair of them. No, I was playing football at Prent Park with David Triggs, ex of this parish, hoping to weave a bit of tramway magic to transmit to them at Wembley on Saturday. Did you win? We did win 3-2. Hard-force encounter. Well, there you go. Well, finally, we've got down. Today. Finally, we've got to, down to the end of the yellow brick road to the final game of the Premier League season. Christian, Liverpool against Brighton. Now, for the best part of a week, we were expecting Liverpool to need to win to seal fourth place. But David Wagner, uh, best man to Jurgen Klopp, did him a bit of a favour on Wednesday night with a one-one draw at Chelsea. Huddersfield that is drawing at Chelsea, so it means Liverpool only need a point. Confident? I think you've got to be, haven't you? I, I think. First of all, Jürgen Klopp owes David Wagner a Stein or two uh, when he sees him at the end of the season. I mean, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because everybody's heads collectively fell off, I think, when, when they lost to Chelsea. I saw a lot of... When you say everybody, do you mean some people? Some people, yeah. <laughs> so, sort of everybody, but not quite everybody. But there was a general sense of discontent, and I can't believe Liverpool have done this. And, you know, I appreciate those sentiments. I understand that Liverpool only needed <laughs> five points in the last four games, and they've only managed four. Uh, sorry, they only managed... Three, was it? Well, whatever it is, they basically the, the, could have done the, yeah, it a long time ago. Because a long that. time ago, this could have been sewn up. So I, I, under, I understand and appreciate that, but this was all on the on the basis that Chelsea would win every single game that, that they played. And, you know, fair play to them. They've gone to Southampton and won. They've gone to Burnley and won. They've, they've faced those challenges, but then they come unstuck against Huddersfield. And, you know, there's no guarantee, moving on to the confidence side of the question, that there's no guarantee Chelsea will beat Newcastle anyway. So, yes, Liverpool need a point to qualify, but even a defeat might be enough for them. Looking at it from a Liverpool perspective, though, I think, as I said last week after the Chelsea defeat, I think if you would have taken uh, a game on the final day against Brighton and you need this result, I think absolutely everybody would have snapped your hand off. Um, and then you add into the mix the fact that Liverpool are in a Champions League final in two weeks' time. It just it, 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 It's looking good for Liverpool now. I think if, if Liverpool needed the win... Could have easily got to 60 minutes, it would have been a little bit nervy, a bit like it was against Stoke, for example. Uh, Burnley earlier in the season when it was 1 1, you know, it, it, it can seep into the crowd. But I think as long as Liverpool only need that point, they, they've always got that, that chance. And I, I'd, I'd be amazed if they didn't manage to get over the line. Now, I was at Stamford Bridge on Sunday, Dan, and I, I have to so say, I, I well, were you particularly impressed with Chelsea? Because I wasn't. Not at all, no. No, I just thought no. Liverpool looked, to be honest, looked absolutely shattered. Yeah, and I think that's no surprise. I mean, I wrote a story earlier this week comparing, you know, as Christian said, lots of heads, not all heads, but quite a few heads fell off because of the way that the form's gone in the Premier League lately. But whenever Liverpool have got to a Champions League final or a European Cup final, invariably 
the form towards the end of the season is not great. And that's even when they were going for titles, like in 1984, that they only won two of the last six games because that's all they had to do. Mm. But you know, were you particularly bothered about the result on Sunday? No, I mean, no one ever likes losing to Chelsea because, you know, they, uh, they're not, they're a, a club and a, a support base that kind of, you know, almost kind of diametrically opposed to Liverpool in many ways. So, def- you know, defeat to them is never pleasant. But going down there in that knowledge that we were in the European Cup final, there was still that, that sweet, that feeling of euphoria that was still sweeping over everybody. I think inevitably it was going to be a lethargic performance, and I think you know it's not just physical tiredness. I think it's mental tiredness. Yeah. It's the you know the whole process of these huge, gigantic European matches, the home, the whole home and away element to it. Inevitably made them a little bit you know leg weary and mind weary. But that being said, it wasn't exactly a vintage performance. But apart from one moment, and and it was only kind of like when seeing it back later on. I realised you know, the, the, the goal that Chelsea scored was you know, fortuitous in the extreme, really. The cross from Victor Moses takes quite a big nick off, I think, was it, was it uh, Robertson? I think it probably tra- was. Tra- tra- trying to get the block on, which obviously kind of really kind of hampered Lovren and Van Dijk's attempts to kind of keep a track on the men in the middle. Um, we had opportunities. You know, I, th- I thought we, the, the, goal, the goal really kind of came against the runner play as well, but yeah. we were you know, yeah, marginally yeah. the better side at that point. Chelsea, particularly under Conte, are very much set out and set up for a team that really knows what they're doing when they've got a goal, you know, when they've got something to hang on to. So it was always going to be an uphill task. But I don't think if, if, if A, that goal hadn't have gone in, or if Liverpool had managed to rustle up an equaliser from somewhere, I don't think Chelsea could have had any great claims to say that they were robbed of a deserved three points, because it was a nothing game, really, nothing in it. I mean, Dan makes a good point there. I think we all mentioned that Liverpool being tired. I mean, I was at Rome and I was at... Like down Stamford Bridge, I was knackered. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wasn't even playing. So uh, you can only imagine what the players were like. Are you in any way bothered about Sunday? Are you worried? Does the fact that it was a draw between Huddersfield, which, by the way, did you see the, um, the scramble in the second oh, half? That was, oh, that, was, that was a great save from there. I mean, did somebody count it that, that eight different Chelsea players had a shot in that scramble or an effort on goal? Or <laughs> it something, was, something, it you, wasn't you, as tense as the Wednesday night before, it wasn't far behind. <laughs> yeah, you have expected a. You know, Cavaliero to pop up on the edge of the box just to have a shot in that particular time. <laughs> but, as, as we've said, they only need a draw. Are you particularly fussed? No, not especially. I think um, if they would have needed the win, there'd be that you know that nervousness and, and that tension that would be there quite early on because that sometimes does happen in, in those type of games. Uh, we witnessed it at Middlesbrough last season and we were, you know, it, it was very nervy until Wijnaldum uh, mm. broke the deadlock just before our time. Um, as soon as that whistle goes on, on Sunday, Liverpool have, have done what they need to do. And, you know, a Jürgen Klopp team will never settle for that. So so they're going to be on the attack from the off like, like they always will be. But they've got that security that they actually don't need to go and score a goal. Um, when was the last time Liverpool failed to score? Obviously, Stoke, but before then, was it... The United, 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 yeah. yeah. You're you, you going back to aren't you? Um, so Liverpool are, at home will always be confident to score goals. And as we mentioned last week in the part, I think... It's actually not the worst thing in the world that they need the results because it kind of just keeps them a bit sharp and you know yeah. a bit lively because there's a bit of a drop, isn't there? There's two weeks before the final, so it's not the worst thing in the world to keep them on their toes and make sure that they're fit and firing. And I think I think they will win, um, but they've just got that added security, as I say. As soon as the whistle goes, they've got that point. And they've had a full week, Christian, to prepare for this game, which is something Jurgen Klopp loves. I mean, the last couple of weeks he's mentioned about the intensity of the games that have been coming thick and fast, and he's not really had the chance to change the team around because he's not had that many players available, well, fringe players available. But there's no chance of him playing anything other than a full-strength team on Sunday. No, and it will be rested, not. even though quite a lot of them 
I've been picking, you know, making up awards and stuff this week. I have a heavy uh, arms and things like that. As long as it wasn't Carrius, <laughs> I think Lupi will be. Well, fine. he won one. Yeah, oh, he, he did. Won, he won one. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's. I'm trying to think back. Actually, <coughs> the last time Liverpool had a free week. I mean, this is going back to the. It wasn't that long ago, actually. We we, we looked at this. I think it was before the Bournemouth game. Before the Bournemouth game. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and you saw what happened there. You know, mm. Liverpool were, were, mm. were comfortable three 0 winners. Was that the international break? Yeah, uh, no. It was, it was, oh. There's been one week since the international break where they've had a free week. So it's you, you, it, it's obvious the benefits of, of Jurgen Klopp, not just in terms of freshness, but in terms of his planning, in terms of, of getting his head round what he wants from his side. Uh, the, the fact that it's a free week is, is is a huge plus for Liverpool, and you know it, it is important that Liverpool are going to play a full strength side. I think because if you're going into this game with nothing riding on it, I think you'd actually have a couple of dilemmas in terms of well, do I play Mohamed Salah? And give him three weeks without a competitive ball being kicked. Do I give Mane? Do I give Firmino? He's a big, big advocate of rhythm. Klopp. He's he's a huge believer in that players can players benefit from getting into a rhythm and playing games. And I think you see that someone like Firmino, for example, when he comes off the bench, he's 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 he's, he's useless. You know, because he's not that sort of player. No, he he needs to <laughs> he's be. Good at, he's good at conceding free kicks. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know it it is a case of. You, you you play your strongest team, you get the result done, if possible by by sixty seventy minutes, and then the last twenty minutes is about resting those players. Probably not so hard because they tried that at West Brom and it didn't go too well. But in general, it is about to get those first sixty seventy minutes under your belt, get a couple of goals, and start resting players. And I think the players that you look to rest is the likes of say Milner. Henderson, maybe Trent, mm. those sorts of players, maybe even like a Van Dijk or a Lovren, just to just to give their legs a bit of a, a bit of a breather. It's been a big week for Salah. He, he picked up his uh, Football Writers Player of the Year award on Thursday, and that was later in the evening when he'd already been at Liverpool Player Awards and picked up a couple of awards there. Mm. And he was once again linked with a move to Real Madrid. Paul wrote a, a little roundup piece which. I believe that uh, some people got a little bit upset with it. He was merely pointing out that a Spanish newspaper was claiming this and we've since knocked it down. Obviously, it's typical Real Madrid scurrilous tactics ahead of a big game, as we can expect over the next couple of weeks. But for him, as, as uh, Christian has said, one game to go, he's on 43 goals in all competitions, I think it's 31 in the Premier League. He's still got a few records to go for. He won't want to be dropped, will he? Or rested on Sunday, will he? Absolutely not. And, and Harry Kane is, is only... Three behind now in the race for the Golden Boots. How many did he score in the last eight last season? Or was it about 15? How many got, he got like three or four? Definitely got Hattrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tottenham have got uh, Leicester at home. At Leicester at home. Yeah. So potentially he might be eyeing that up and thinking, well, I can get myself a hat-trick. Moe's obviously in the in the midst and the depths of a, 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 was it a three-game three game, yeah. three goal-scoring drought. Yeah. yeah, maybe he's finished. Sell him. Yeah. Don't it, sell him. Are <laughs> <laughs> you joking there, kids? Don't, don't ask him. Or anyone, or anyone. Um, he'll want to play for. I mean, what Gorsi said just before about yeah, it, it's no bad thing that, that there's something on the game just to kind of keep them honest. But I think as much as anything else, it's been a fantastic season. Whatever happens in the next couple of it's been a fantastic season. I think they will want to sign off at Anfield in the right manner. Whether they had a European Cup final to play in or not, I think it's important to finish the league campaign in the right way. But also, as well, you want to go into the final on the back of a good win, a nice joyous occasion at Anfield, being waved off ahead of the final and everything. You know, they, they, will, they will want to see the season off in the same vein 
they, they give, they've given me and everyone who's lucky enough to attend matches at Anfield this season a really fantastic season and I think they'll want to finish it off in the right manner. I mean, irrespective of the fact that they need something from this last game, if they had got to the Champions League final regardless, the way that the season works now, there's not much time in between the semi-final and the final. Or this is the only home game they'll be playing in that time. So as Dan says, this is a party anyway, isn't it? Because this is a chance for all the fans who weren't able to get to Rome to congratulate the team for getting to the final. And there'll be a lot of fans who won't be able to go to Kiev for various reasons. This will be their one chance to say, you know, thanks a lot and yeah, good luck. very much so, yeah. As, as Dan says, you know, whatever happens these next two weeks, it's been a fantastic season. We've seen some unbelievable football pretty much every other week, mm. nearly. You know, the, the amount of fours and fives that they ran up and the amount of goals they've scored. We've got three players there who've scored 89 goals between them. Been, you know, some of the performances have, have been stunning. So I think the fans will be, um, you know, happy to basically say well done. Really, you know, with the, the lap of honour after the game and all that. And I think it'll be a bit of a party atmosphere as well early on. Um, the fa- fans will be there, and, and I think they'll, you know, produce one of those really great atmospheres. And it, it will be like that that kind of atmosphere throughout. And that'll only help the players. And you know, they haven't got a, a, a giant coming to Anfield after you've got a, a team who. Basically, just glad that they're going to be there again next season. So, but and they've done a great job staying up, haven't they? Yeah, but they're, yeah. they're safe. Yeah, they are, have they got the second worst away? Yes, they do. Have the yeah. Second yeah. As well. yeah. Well, and, and, and they play open, don't they? they really play there's some, there's some strange stats. I need to check this out. Whether it, I've read this, that Chris Hewton has lost every single game he's managed against Liverpool, and in every single game he's conceded at least five goals. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when was it? December was it? Liverpool yeah, five one. Yeah. Well, that was Catinho. I was going to say that was Coutinho Coutinho yeah. I think that was the only time you give out a ten in the ring. No, I was going to. I was going to give out a ten. I wish I had now. Yeah. In retrospect, it's probably the only time I wish I had done. But, but I didn't. even even without Coutinho, I think I still think we've got more than enough to to knock in three or four maybe on Sunday. I, I feel like that Brighton game, my memory might be a bit hazy, but. It felt like that was almost like the the Salah coming out party. There was there was, there was that was the first Sorry. game where where I saw potential you know, messy signs from him. I'm thinking about that goal where he basically he stands up to the defender and he's 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 got the defender backtracking and the defender doesn't know where he's going. We all knew what a fantastic player Salah was before then, but for me that was the game where although Coutinho got the two goals, you were like, My God, what have Liverpool got on my hands in and Salah he's absolutely terrifying. And of course defense. he did not score in that game. And Brighton being one of the very few teams he hasn't scored against this season. And that was also the game where Wan Alden played the left of a yeah. Don't think Wan Alden was too happy about that. No. <laughs> no, he's not. One five one away from home though. It's not to be sniffed at. It's actually one of my favourite goals was, was the one where I think it was three one at the time and Glenn Murray had a great chance and Mignolet made a great save. He did, yes. And it was like seven seconds later it's in the back of the right now. Is that the Firmino one? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Shows onto it. Yeah, I didn't go mm. that day, but it was the look devastating. And and Ultimately, you know, it is it is an interesting dichotomy in terms of do you want to be playing a, a, a team that are fighting for the lives against relegation have to come forwards, for example, or do you play against a team like Brighton who've got nothing to play for and they might think, let's just have a bit of a laugh here and dig in, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, sort of, we're under no pressure, so let's try and keep a clean sheet. If they're on the beach, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Now, this is off the top of my head, so I've not checked this out, but I'm pretty sure Brighton was the first game that Andy Robertson started after Thingy got injured, Moreno got injured. Yes, and, Seville, yeah, it would be. And it's also, I don't think Stadio Mane played. I think he was on the bench. He was. Now, I want to mention Mane, because obviously this time last year he was not playing because he was injured. But he's perhaps been the one over the last couple of weeks, Dan, who's picked it up. He's He's... 
wanted to make a point of actually contributing, and he'll be one player who won't want the season to end. Yeah, he seems to be coming into kind of a, a good vein of form just at the right time. I mean, there's been a lot said and written about Sadio Mane this year. His form has maybe been a little bit patchy, but I think some of what's said, you know, even, even when he's not at his most effective, he's always a threat. And it's not just because of his pace, it's because of, it's, it's of his movement and his footballing intelligence and the, his, change, his, his ability to change the point of attack, which to me you know, is summed up perfectly by Salah, Salah's crucial away goal at Man City when it was his change of direction that mm, completely yeah. made that goal. And um, yeah, it, it, it's a real boost for Liverpool that you could, you can, I, I think you struggle too much, but people can and have been making the case for saying, oh, Salah and Firmino were kind of dipping a little bit as we come towards the end of the season. I think it's just a case of the challenges preserve their energy and keep themselves going as much as they can because they, they have had to shoulder a lot of the burden this season. But the fact that he seems to be coming out of whatever, and I would I would say a very mild trough of form, I do think there's been a fair bit of rubbish mm. sort of about money this season, to be honest. But he's definitely... Did we write any of it? Oh, no, never. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> um, it, 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 it's a massive... You know, it, as soon as he burst onto the scene last season, I, I was kind of wasn't massively knocked out when we signed him. But I think within the first couple of weeks, I was aware that this is this is a big player we've signed, and I I think maybe it's only only his second season at the club. I think he's made really encouraging strides, and I think there's an awful lot more to come from him because he's only a young lad. He's so unorthodox, I think, in yeah. terms of mm-hmm. what, what what you expect from him because you see him and, and you see that he's a winger and that he's fast, and you just assume that he's just going to be a head down merchant who gets gets his head down, puts the ball to the box, that sort of thing. He's so intelligent with the ball. He drops. He's been playing almost like as a number eight or a number ten at times in the mm. in the past couple of games. He, he can link up really intricate. He's got a good shot on him against Roma in that first half. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. I well, thought he just had finishing. a beaten. Well, yeah. oh, do you mean, do you mean the so, second? So the second, second, second yeah. 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 The, 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 the beating he had of those fullbacks was incredible. I like the fact that he's got a real bit of snark to him, a bit mm. of snide. We saw in Rome afterwards. You were there anyway, and Dan. You know, yeah. he was the one who broke the cord. Oh, I went. He was. He was. He was. He was. Yeah. by himself. Yeah. I think people, if you don't sort of know Mane or you haven't seen him sort of away from the pitch, you wouldn't sort of expect that from him. But I think he is a bit of a, a quiet dressing room leader. I think he is somebody who, you know, he'll give it all the mouths of opponents on the pitch. But often, I think he's very sort of he's softly spoken, but he's a very you know, a bit like Sally, very humble but very, very compassionate, and you know, is a um, is a very popular member of the, of the first team squad. And it was good to see him be the one who broke the cordon because you might think that would be Henderson or Milner, but it was just this. Here's this guy from Senegal. The camera just came out of nowhere, did he? he came racing out of the dressing room. Well, I think you know what a tunnel I just went. Do you know, I think I think it also. He, it looked like there was a lot of a Senegal flag. Um, and ah, and it, yeah. From the pictures, it looked a little bit like Mane. He was asking for it to be passed down, wasn't it? Yeah. Like I don't know if it was a, a family member or just a, just a supporter. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's what he brings on and off the pitch, I think, has, has been invaluable, certainly since the turn of the year. Yeah. Don't forget, he's been playing on the wrong wing as well. Yeah. The entire season, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, last, last season, he was Liverpool's best player on the right, wasn't he? And he's been asked to play on the left to accommodate Salah. When that, that initially happened, I thought that, that's a bit of an interesting one because you want your best player, you know, in his most effective position. But he's adapted to that superbly. What's he scored? Seventeen, is it? Nineteen. 19, 19, yeah. 19 and then obviously, you know. I mean, that, that's that's ridiculous. Like Sadio Mane's nearly a twenty-goal a season oh, player. Like it's unbelievable. But he's had a terrible season to listen to some people. Hmm. Guilty. <laughs> now, <laughs> part of the reason that, as Dan said, uh, Firmino and Salah have been concerning themselves is because there haven't been, really been much. Alternative for Jurgen Klopp to choose from. Dominic Solanke, come on, still hasn't scored this season. Danny Ings has done bits and bobs, but he's clearly nowhere near 
at his best level. Adam Alana has said this week that he's been back in training and he said yet last night that he's ready to come in and play a part for the last two games of the season. Is he somebody who Liverpool have missed? Because for the first two years that Klopp was here, he was almost like the first name on the team sheet because I think it's Christian called him the dog whistle when it comes to, to pressing. And Klopp said that earlier this season. He said perhaps, I think it was after when he got injured against Crystal Palace in March, towards the end of March, he said, one of the best achievements this team has done this season is to get as far as they haven't done as well as they have without Adam Lallana. Yeah, um, he was the first player who really embraced Klopp's approach. Literally, literally. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, from that game at Tottenham. He, <laughs> he, sweat, yeah. he <laughs> fell into his arms and he was coming off as a substitute. Um, I think certainly over the last six weeks or so, Liverpool have missed them. Um, you know, how, how Liverpool would have loved to have been able to bring him in one or two games possibly West Brom and then Stoke just to, to freshen that midfield up where, you know, let's be honest, he's got no options and we've gone over that time and again um, so to hear that he might be back for the last two games of the season is really good, really positive news, I think if he could maybe get 15 or 20 minutes in the final, he might be able to have you know one telling impact on, on the results you never know, he, he's, he's that good a player um, and then he might even go to the World Cup if, if he comes in and kind of does well enough in these next two games Particularly uh, Sunday, if he's if he's in with a shout, um, but I certainly think over the last six weeks or so, Liverpool have missed him. Yeah, it's just an option, isn't it? Mm. Is yeah. it? And, and that's something that Liverpool really have lacked in terms of, you know, you, you it's only been at, recently to be fair. It has because obviously Chamberlain would have been playing. Yeah, I understand. It's just just time, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. You know, I think Jay Rose said after the um, after the, the defeat of Chelsea in terms of, and I think Jan Moby said it in his column this week. You know, it's highlighted the need for. for Biggest squad depth, and you know, I, I go along with that how, to a how degree. Much, how much worth of signings going to John Aldridge? 199 million. <laughs> <laughs> how did he come with that figure? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Christian. And I, just, I just, I just wonder in terms of, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> uh, no, no, about sorry, squads, yeah, squads, yeah. squad strength, and, and and that sort of thing. Um, you know, yes, I, I do think they need to add a few more bodies. I think certainly up front, that is an, is an issue. But how many, how many central midfielders can you stockpile at Anfield? Because they are going through a really bad run of injuries here. Mm. So you've had Lallana out, Oxley Chamberlain out, Chan. and Emery Chan as well, of course. Henderson's missed games. Henderson's mm. missed games. You know, Wijnaldum's missed games. Well, has he? Yeah. Um, so, and, and, you know, it's Milner, who is the, is the sort of the stalwart iron man of, of Anfield. So, you know, yeah, Liverpool probably, you know, obviously they'll bring Cater in and, we, and Liverpool will probably lose Chan, almost certainly, but how many more players do Liverpool need, you know, because then you're pushing the likes of maybe Wijnaldum who won't get a game and then how do you keep Genie Wijnaldum happy if he's not even making the 18? They've got at least one more to come, which is Marco Gruic. He's come back, he can't play this season, but he's somebody who's one of several players who've been out on loan down for Liverpool this season. Yeah. Certainly the second half of the season, he was at Cardiff, helped them come up. But the one that's impressed more than any is Adam Alama uh, gave him a, an award on Thursday night, which is for, what was it for the Young Academy Player of the Year, was it? The Academy Player of the Year for Harry Wilson. And he obviously has been doing very well at, at Hull. Perhaps he's turned into the player that a lot of us thought he might do. A lot of us thought he might mm. do. And he's, he's already talking about he wants to be the option for Mane, Firmino, Salah next season. That's good that he's got that kind of confidence isn't it yeah and I think that's what what you want to see as well you know I mean Christian's point about how many more players can, can we bring in without the likes of one Alden feeling he's being pushed out well I think it's also very important that the young lads in the 23s in the academy feel that there is at least hope of them getting a, a crack at the first team well Trent's shown Trent Alexander-Arnold has shown that's possible and to, to a lesser degree Ben Woodburn as well you'd have to yeah. say yeah 
But, but the, I, I think that illust- I, I think it, this all ties into kind of Klopp's vision about how he sees the club as well. He clearly he's proven that you know he's not frightened of spending big money, and so far when he spent big money, it's been very much paid off. But I think he's also, and I think this is this would tie into I think what a lot of supporters want as well. It's fine paying big money for your absolute key cornerstones of your team and your squad, but maybe the mistake we and other clubs have made in the past is spending stupid amounts on your backup on your squad. Yeah. And that, you know, that has you know, a, a variety of negative effects. But one of the key ones, I think, as well, is kind of like giving that, that feeling of gloom and doom to the lads trying to make the breakthrough with the academy that, well, it doesn't matter how well they do, because if he's going to spend 20, 30-odd million on some middle-of-the-road midfielder just to fill up a squad, well, what's the point of me even being it? And ultimately, that could potentially, in the medium to long term, stop Liverpool being able to attract the cream of young talent if they just think, well, I'm never going to get into the team, so I may as well go and sign up for Stoke or Newcastle where at least I might actually play. So, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's important that these lads feel this. And, all, you know, the lads at the moment who are kind of rising towards the cream of the, the crop in the academy, the likes of Curtis Jones and other lads who will be, have been on the fringe of the first-team squad, who, if the last few weeks had gone a bit smoother than what they had have done, probably would have had run-outs against the likes of Brighton and Chelsea or whatever. But, hopefully, they, you know, they, they'll have their opportunities next season once we kind of make a couple more choice additions just to bulk up out the squad but as is as seems likely we're going to be again competing on two fronts with Europe I mean Ghost did you find yourself having a greater affinity to a player if he's coming through the through the academy as opposed to someone who maybe spent 15 million pounds on bringing him in from some foreign club who doesn't play every week um, maybe so yeah I mean I look at someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold who's 19 years of age from West Derby he you know, he is living the, the dream, isn't he? And that is what what you want to see. It's basically when, when we all played football as kids, or you know, we still play five aside. That is what we wanted to do. We wanted to go and play for the team we support and, and become a star of that team. And you look at when it does happen, it, it is great to see. Um, but then you'd appreciate that Liverpool are one of the biggest clubs in Europe, and they can basically go and cherry pick virtually ninety percent of the players across Europe. So it, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Um, as as Dan says, there it, it it's a tough one. I mean, you look at Harry Wilson. Would he have would he have gotten a run out over the last few weeks with, with the options of it stretched to the front, possibly? But Ben Wood Ben hasn't had much of a look in, has he? So it's a tough one. You know, Liverpool are going for. Let's not forget they are looking to try and win the European Cup. Um. So Jurgen Klopp can't just be throwing players in mm. just because you know they come through the youth ranks. Times on on most of their sides, and and they might have to wait until pre season before they, they stake a claim. But I'm looking forward to seeing how the likes of Rian Bruce again on in pre-season once he comes back from, from that uh, that leg break and it, it's all pointing towards him getting a, a bigger opportunity this pre-season. So it'll be interesting to see that anyway. It's an interesting one with the youngsters as well because take someone like Harry Wilson, he's obviously come through the ranks at Liverpool, he's done really well. But then you, you, you look at his goals and assists a whole and you just wonder, well, if he was a whole player, would you want Liverpool to go for him? Mm-hmm. And I think the supporters will unanimously say no. You know, why would somebody... Well, there's been somebody... no recent history of signing players from Hollywood turned out to be very good. Well, well, this is, well, I was just about to come on to the point, although not quite as succinct as that. <laughs> that you know, this, this, is, this is the beauty of somebody like Jürgen Klopp, because he's clearly got an eye for a player. So, you know, I don't feel like Liverpool fans should panic if, if he does call upon some of these lone players next season, because he clearly knows... What he likes, and, and he can and he can extract the, the absolute optimum potential out of them. Right, penultimate, penultimate. Mm. That's easy for you easy to, say. to say. Yeah. The next to last uh, subject that we're going to talk about now, very briefly, is Kiev. We'll look ahead to the fine, but not action on the pitch, but the process of actually getting there, or primarily 
staying there. Dan, I mean, well, I know you've been tracking this and looking at it, and I know I have as well. Some of the hotel of prices in Kiev, it's, for example, you can have a hotel where it's about 80, maybe push 90 pound a night, and it's now 2,000 pounds for the, the Saturday primarily. You can actually get cheaper deals for the Thursday, Friday, yeah. and the Monday around the game, but the actual Saturday night, what ridiculous. Feel, what feels really immoral is the fact that some people who have kind of planned and booked ahead of time and have had bookings for hotels for months and months have been rang up yeah, that's by hoteliers saying, yeah, we've cancelled your booking, you can rebook it at ten times the price. That's the worst thing, probably, because you expect the markup. Yeah. Yeah. But if you've already made your booking, and they've, li- they've presumably protected by some small print in the terms and conditions, we reserve the right to cancel, that you know that really is beyond the pale. Uh, I don't think anyone expected a trip to Kiev for European Cup finals to be cheap, and I think the question, a lot of this comes back to UEFA in awarding this final to them in the first place, when I think I'm rightly saying it is still kind of a bit of a war zone, Kiev. I'm not sure Kiev's a war zone. I think Kiev is, 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 well, is fine, but Ukraine, Ukraine is Ukraine. Ukraine. It's got it's part a, of There's not much stability <laughs> in Ukraine yeah. at the moment. Um, you know, the, the, the clubs, UEFA, always like to make great story about how it's the fans' game and you're the lifeblood that keeps us all going. But unfortunately, instances like what Liverpool fans are experiencing now only serve to illustrate, unfortunately, the contempt which many people feel those that run the game hold them in. And until something tangible and, ri- and concrete actually comes into place to kind of counteract that, people are going to feel the same way. I mean, don't get me wrong, this happens anyway, you know, in terms of London if for, the, for the cup final, prices go up. Yeah. I think Liverpool for the, for the weekend of the derby, for example, if the, if the host in the Anfield, prices will go up. It's, it's not a Kiev yeah. issue. But the issue there, as you say with UEFA, is that they've given out 16,000 tickets in a 70,000-seater stadium. Mm. You know, Real Madrid have only been given the, given the same. That is less than half going to actual That's, all, that's always been the way, though, hasn't it? Has, it? Well, I mean, it doesn't make it right. I think, I think that, that doesn't make it right. That's a separate issue. The one I wanted to discuss with, with Dan is, is the whole hotel thing, because that's well, just... Well, the hotel thing is, I mean, what, what the one that's really kind of cropped up in the last 18 to 24 hours is the situation about flights. So obviously, you know, it, it's a tricky place to get to. I mean, I'm in the position where I can only really do a day trip. You yeah. know, there's lots of weird and wonderful places, uh, sorry, routes you can take um, if you've got the time to, to devote to that. I and many others can't, so we've only ever had day trips in mind. There was a small batch of day trips that became available, well, that were already, I think you could already even put deposits down before the second leg against Roma. Thomas Cook are obviously the official club partner. They had some day trips available the day after the Roma second leg win for, I think, £759. That sold out very quickly. I and others were waiting. You know, it was promised on their website and their social media. Yes, there will be more coming available. They were asking actually people to register. So they were obviously trying to get a, a decent handle on the kind of numbers looking to travel. But finally, you know, and and Pete, you know, it's a week since we qualified. Now it's barely a fortnight till the game. You know, people like myself obviously are keen to get something booked sooner rather than later. Finally, it came out last night that. Um, they have released a new tranche of day trips for the final at a, at a, a price now of £899, which is significantly more. Their initial feedback from it, they've obviously had people taking them to task for it on Twitter this morning. Their initial feedback, a tweet now deleted, says that um, the, the club will have had some input into those prices. Now, obviously, we're chasing, the, the, you know, the new, our news desk and news reporters are chasing this and obviously keep an eye out on the Echo website as the day goes because on. Because incons- they've been inconsistent, haven't they, with their responses? Well, they have, but I mean, I think the question's got to be asked as well. I think that, you know, Liverpool... Liverpool put the ticket details out while we were all still in the airports in Rome. It was in literally within an hour or two of the final whistle of the second leg. But it was clear from that, you know, they've obviously had everything prepared and it was clear that 
some people, you know, a decent number of people would be guaranteed a ticket. Now, surely it would have made sense for the official club partners to say, bear in mind, they knew there'd be some guaranteed, and then a lot of people going into a ballot. We're only going to take bookings from those who are guaranteed a ticket. And that would not have been hard to do because all the information is already there on databases. Now you've got this awful situation where people are caught between two stools. Some people have flights, but don't know if they're going to get a ticket. And obviously, I think today's the day when people are going to be getting their emails confirming one way or another. And obviously, then you've got the other side of the coin where people um, will have a ticket, but potentially have no way to get to Kiev. So it, it's you know there may well be more charter flights from other companies that become available. You know, my experience of working here and being an Echo reader is that in the in the weeks before a big cup final like this, whether it's European or domestic, your little side panels by the side of the sport pages are all filled with these small ads, for, and I'm sure some of them will be cropping up. But it shouldn't be this hard to go to a European Cup final. It's 2018. You know what I mean? We live in a high tech, digit, digitalized world. It just seems like the communication has been poor on many levels, and, and I think you know, there's going to be a lot of questions asked before and probably even after the final. On a later note, Oily, where do you stay? <laughs> uh, yeah, at, at the moment, uh, myself, James Pierce, uh, our videographer, Adam Greasley, and Connor Dunn, our news reporter, are staying in a hotel which is actually by a service station, so technically it's a services on a motorway, which is about 15 miles outside of Kiev. That also doubles up as a kind of medieval <laughs> tribute playhouse thing, such as where good money for that. Yeah, they would, they would do where you get served your food by <laughs> people like dressed up as Tudors and Stuarts and all You've manner, asked for this specific all manner of, of Kevin's things. Kevin's going to be there. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Stewart. Yeah, who, who's of course, as you know, is older Old than Emery Sham, um, and we're we're all in the same room in bunk beds, Cozy. all four of us. I think at the end of the fourth night... Who's going to be tucking you in, do Um, um, Nobody. I will do that myself, thank you very much. Uh, I've I've already bagsied one of the top bunks, by the way. uh, I think a good result for Liverpool will just be you four coming back in one piece. Well, I was going to say, I imagine the smell of that room by the end of the fourth night is not going to be great. Anyway, on on an even lighter note than that... You share the car with Jay. Yeah, well, I had to drive back from, what was it, Sweden to Denmark after the Europa League final, so, you know... We all have our old tales, don't we? For it should be a shepherd like that. It should be, yeah. Uh, it's the tales of previous European That's not a bad idea, I'm making out of that. You nearly died on that, on the plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was Barcelona. Barcelona. That, was, that was different. That, that was up with the team. Anyway, uh, going back on to uh, the final point we're going to make. Liverpool-Brighton team. Let's just quickly go through the team, what we think the team's going to be. Carries in goal. Yeah. Robertson, Van Dijk, Lovren and Trent. Yeah. The normal midfield and the normal forwards. And yeah. long, isn't it? Yeah. Um, maybe, oh, no, 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 not that amazing. I'm just thinking maybe Alberto Moreno will play in place of Robertson, but at the front three will be the front three, yeah. Okay. And score prediction, Dan? Um, I'm going to go for a resounding 4 0 to Liverpool. Wow. <laughs> I'm wary of falling into the Mark Lawrenson trap of basically Liverpool hey, being invincibles for mm. two seasons running because I never say that Liverpool are going to lose. So, but, um, I fancy Liverpool again 3 0, 4 0. Christian? 2-1 uh, Liverpool. I'm going to go 3-1. That tends to be a final day scoreline. 3-1. Yeah. It could right. be one of those mad, mad ones where it's like 6 or 7. That you, you, know, you always seem to <laughs> oh, get... Oh, oh my God. He's oh, like, no, no, Christian Walsh has There's always a crazy scoreline on the last day. Yeah. One of the fixtures just pops up an unbelievable I one. Like maybe five, a five, five, Tottenham won 7 one whole last season. All of these would do for Liverpool. Just need a point. Oh, oh finally. Do we think Chelsea will beat Newcastle though? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think no, they will either. I, yeah. I think Newcastle will get a, a point now. Yeah. 
think that. So I think we'll be moved yeah. anyway. But we'll win. Chelsea yeah. will win one nil. Thank you. Right, join us next week where we'll look back at the end of the Premier League season and we will start to look ahead to Kia. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.